Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, here we go. I hit the button. That means we've launched this rocket and we are about to take off. I am so, so excited. I am, I am at the stoked level of excitement to introduce today's guest. He is an entrepreneur, a leader, and a thought leader, an executive communications coach, a keynote speaker. In fact, he was featured in TEDx Toronto. And this guy is obsessed with helping innovators become better communicators. Love that. Author of the book, Impact, has a webinar series called Living Impact. CEO and executive communications coach at Kindler and Company. Nick Kindler, welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you, Casey. It's great to be here. Oh, man. You are doing so much. There's so much. I feel like we just we grabbed a tornado out of the sky for just a moment. We get to ask you a bunch of questions and then off you'll go, just tearing up the neighborhood. So <laughs> I'm so glad it. you're here. Um, well, what I need to do next is I need to pick this thing up. I've been working out to try to make this an easier process, but I know you're strong. So hold on. I'm about to pass to you. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, grab that. You want to grab that? There you go. Got okay. You got it? All right. Basically, I think what we, what I just was handed was Majolnir, which is yes. hammer. You know its name, sir. Yes. Thor's I'm a nerd. hammer has been passed to you. Take that hammer. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Okay. So you know what is total bull is winging it. The power of winging it. When people say, don't worry, I'm going to wing it. Uh, it is actually one of the worst things you can do. In fact, when people say, you know what? I'm better on my feet. I'm better when I just make it up as I go along. Um, they may be successful. They may have some success. But the reality is nothing beats planning and thinking about what you're going to do and what you're going to say. I'm going to be a little bit uh, of a historian here and go back and share the whole concept of winging it. The term. Yeah. Wing- like, where does this come from? Why do we think this is a thing? Yeah. So it actually comes from the theater. And uh, in the theater, uh, there are the wings of the stage, which are the sides of the stage. And um, historically, uh, in fact, in, and to this day, there are people who work in the theater who are called understudies. And those are people who would really like the opportunity to be the star of the show, right? To, to be Hamlet. But they're, they're sitting there waiting for the, the actor, the lead, uh, to get sick uh, or break their leg or uh, have a, an off day, like a, a, the flu, whatever. And so that, that opportunity comes and they move from the wings and out onto the stage so they can present and take on that role. It's a huge opportunity, one that they don't want to miss, and one that they've been waiting for and working on and planning. They are not making it up and hoping it goes well. They've been watching and studying and just hoping they get a chance, and then they take it. Mm. That is what we need to do when we're presenting, when we're pitching, and when we're communicating. I love that. And and so it's like a, it's a misnomer because a true understudy isn't winging it. Yes, they're in the wings, but they are, they are like obsessed and they're studying and they're prepping and planning. You know, it's, it's like, I guess if that understudy just came out, was like, ah, I'm good. I'll I'll be fine. You know, 
they fall flat on their face. They don't know where all the stage direction is telling them to stand. And they stand under the cement block instead of under the, you know, the right spot and they get smashed. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are many people and there's some who are going to be listening to this podcast that would say, you know what, though, I'm really good on my feet. I'm really good doing th- I'm really good. good winging it. And, and I would say you likely are. There's probably some, you probably have some strengths that other people may not have, but imagine how good you can be if you did the winging it plus the preparation, meaning you embrace that impromptu skill that you've got. And, and I often look at um, uh, musicians like, so if you, even if it, it doesn't matter what kind of music, but let's just use jazz, for example, um, you can listen to the same song and the same song, even if it's happy birthday, right? Everyone knows the melody of happy birthday, but a really great guitarist or jazz guitarist or, or, or saxophonist or trumpet, trumpet player would be able to take that same song because they know it so well and turn it into something unique and different and new and only because they've done the work leading up to it. Oh, yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think it's kind of like the overnight success that you worked on for 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they've, yeah. They've been playing guitar for, or trumpet or w- whatever the case may be for years. And then, oh, they just, they just whipped this song out of thin air. Actually, it was all the studies of chords they did in that boring classroom for, for years at a time. And so now you're seeing the result of it. It makes sense. I, I, do they fall in the trap? I think I fall in this trap of you, you didn't prep you pulled it off. Like you got out unscathed yeah. and you think, Hey, I survived that. It almost like it reinforces, well, maybe you'll be okay next time. And it's like, yeah, but how much better could you be? Well, that's it. And I think, uh, and that's kind of where I've, I've built my business around helping people become better at that, helping people there there's, there's frameworks and approaches that you can take to ensure that you're, you're not winging it and that right. you're leveling right. up and and engaging because really you've got one chance to make an impression and so why not make it the best impression why not help people understand what you stand for what you're all about what what the the work that you're doing or the change that you're making in the world and if people leave going well that was interesting don't really fully understand it yeah then you've missed mark it's missed opportunity and i think I mean, I, I was in this camp for a while until I had a chance. So there was an EO event where we did a little um, like an EO TEDx type uh, chat in Boston. And yeah. I hadn't ever experienced what it what it was like. I mean, I've done I've done plays and theater and stuff before, but in a presentation style, I hadn't really experienced how great it can really sound if you if you have spent hours and hours on seven minutes, you know, and it really yeah. can get better. And I, I think it'd be helpful for people to know that there's wherever you think your bar is, there's another bar. You could get so much better. That presentation, it was good, right? Oh, it could be great. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's funny. That's something that uh, I've delivered uh, to many groups, including EO uh, chapters. Uh, I call it Ted talk in a day uh, program yeah. that allows people to, to learn the fundamentals of how to give a compelling pitch presentation or talk. Um, and, uh, as you mentioned in the intro, which was very nice, I, I, I wrote a book on the yeah. subject because I did get a chance 
to not just um, work as head of programming for TEDx Toronto, I did get a chance to speak at a TEDx event, and I've uh, been the head of programming for Singularity University Canada and faculty certifier for faculty around the world. So I have a, an idea of how to take these very, very bright individuals, subject matter experts, and help them transform into thought leaders. Yeah. I, essentially, dot, 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 you're the guy. <laughs> you're, you're the guy to talk to. I'm glad you're here for that. Uh, and I think we also maybe, even if you think you can do well winging, I think we maybe overestimate our ability, right? Sometimes we think, oh, I told that story great, but I've experienced even on this podcast, not everyone's that great at telling a story unless they've really told it before or really thought about it because it can get windy. I mean, let me tell yeah. you back 19 years ago. And, and then it's like, where is this going? Yeah. So you're touching on kind of what I would say is my second principle, which is transform. And that's how to transform your content and the audience using Ooh. storytelling. And, yeah. and I'm happy to go through those, whatever makes sense for our conversation today. But you're you also touched on that experience that, you know, if I were to ask everybody listening uh, to raise their hand, if they've ever uh, told a story and it's fallen flat, uh, you know, that people immediately go, <clears throat> hey, how about that game? Like, did anyone watch the football <laughs> game or whatever it is? And just changing the subject. And you're sitting there so embarrassed or, or just feeling kind of uncomfortable in your skin for that moment, it's because your story was missing five key elements. So th okay. that's my next question, which is, and I, it sounds like you've got a framework in the book and everything. How, okay. how do I go about communicating the right way? Okay. The right way to communicate with impact, meaning uh, to help you have the results, get the desired results that you're looking for. There are three core um, principles that you sh should be embracing. And uh, the first is uh, simplify. And by the way, this is not rocket science, but it can help a rocket scientist explain rocket science to all of us. Um, so the first is simplify. The first principle is simplify. We have to simplify what we're talking about. And that sounds easier said than done because you know, Casey, you're an expert in podcasting and marketing. Uh, I'm an expert in communications. Uh, another listener might be an expert in robotics. It doesn't matter where your area of expertise, uh, where what you're an expert in, you're going to have a pretty deep subject matter expertise or knowledge of that expertise. So how do you weed out and filter out what's most important? So the first thing that we do is we teach how to simplify using structure. And we um, we have tools. There's lots of tools you can use. We use the tool of the purpose practice that we've created to help you get really clear on the purpose of your communication, whether it's a pitch or a presentation or an email or a voicemail. I don't recommend leaving too, too many of those because people don't listen to them anymore, but th that's a whole other uh, podcast we can talk about. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, so that's the first thing. Well, the, hold on the, real quick. I've, I've experienced not doing the first one. Um, okay. and, you know, and I, I would present on marketing automation and I just, you know, I knew everything about it, de dedicated a decade of life to it. And I thought that my score in the presentation, and I, this has been in front of a lot of people or whatnot, was how many yeah. words I could get out or just how many thoughts or how many takeaways I could get out in that 15, 20, 45 minute session. And I probably just drowned everyone 
because I was just like micro machine rapid fire. You got to know this. You got to know. This. I'm trying to explain rocket science to people. Um, so I and, I and at the end, I was like, huh. I, and then I, I looked over and I saw another speaker and I watched and it almost felt like the smartest person in the room wasn't talking the fastest, almost was talking the slowest. And it wasn't. And for some reason, it wasn't about delivering everything. So I think I feel like this ties into that. Absolutely. Because how do you how do you decide what is the most important thing you want to share? But most importantly, what do you want your audience to do? You know, there's this crazy stat and I, I might, it's something like 46%, I think it's 46% of employees uh, in North America rarely leave a meeting knowing what to do next. Just think about that, almost 50% of employees, this is pre-COVID data, by the way. So I think it's worse now because of Zoom and, and, and uh, uh, digital um, online meetings, but almost half of the employee base of North America didn't know what to do after meetings. So most important in my mind is what action do you want your audience to take? And what action do you want them to take around the topic that you're speaking about? So there's, you know, I won't go into the, the nuanced details of how to develop a purpose, but there's some key questions that you ask to draw out that key, mm. that content that anybody can do, by the way. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you do, where you live. There's three core questions that, and, and we have worksheets that help you do this. Cool. Um, and then you then have the really, and I don't like to use this word because I work with scientists and academics a lot, but you have a thesis, right? Mm. Um, which is kind of less scientific in nature, if then, uh, and more of a uh, a declarative statement. This is what I want to talk to you about and why, and the change that we can create if we do these things. It's kind of very, very simple, yet um, often hard to articulate. Yeah, it makes total sense, right? Because I mean, how many times have I planned a webinar about a general topic and I had, and I didn't do this. And then I, I even felt as I was creating as rambly, it's like, where am I going? Like, I can't just, is my goal just to sort of impact 30 slides of information? Is that the actual goal? Why am I here? Right. So I can see how just a little bit of forethought makes it so much clearer. And especially if I even stated up front, like, this is what we're doing here, guys. This is why we're doing it. If we haven't done this by the end, we failed. Let's try. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Today, I want to walk you through uh, marketing automation tools, the three things that you need to do, A, B, and C, in order to have a successfully uh, self-sufficient marketing process. Love but that. like, I just made that up. I don't know if that was kind of what you were talking about earlier, but but it, Perfect. it, could, be, yeah. it could be about anything. Um but, but that's the starting point, uh, Casey, and, the, and, and it works. The reason why it's a starting point is it feeds into uh, the next part of that, that um, principle of simplify, which is getting the essential messages out, getting now the facts and statistics that support those essential messages. And this is going to sound kind of repetitious, but what is the key thing you want people to remember that you just told them? I'll say that again. What's the key thing that you want people to remember that you just told them? There's a saying in communications that you may be familiar with, especially because you're 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 a marketer. Tell them, tell them again, and tell them what you told them. And the 
communication canvas that we use uh, really does um, take advantage of that adage. It, it, it drives it home because people need to hear things more than once. Uh, I'm not saying repeat, repeat, repeat all the time. We right. can talk about repetition later, but it does help drive home the key importance of, of key, uh, the importance of key uh, messages that you're driving and sharing. Right. Love that. How did you state that? That was a really cool phrase. Just tell them what you told them. And um, tell them. Tell, tell them. them again. Tell them and again. then tell them what you told them. And then tell them what you told them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I didn't good. make that up. It's an old saying. No, it's no, just... I know. But I've, I've never heard it so clean. I've heard like, you, know, you got to tell them seven times or multiple times. But, but it's like, okay, I told you this. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I yeah. told you. Yeah. And I'm teaching so, you that I told you <laughs> So, and the canvas that, that, that we use, uh, you know, there's a few things that where this comes into play. We share the purpose right off the, like near the top. It's not the first thing you do, but near the top. We, um, uh, we might within that purpose share a couple of essential messages that we're going to share in just a moment, like to break down the overall structure of the presentation. We reiterate some of those key takeaways uh, that we've just shared in the statistics or just so that people don't forget. And then we reiterate the purpose again at the very end of the message uh, of the presentation. Um, but that doesn't mean that you've got this kind of boring stayed process because there's much more to, to put into it. That's just the starting point. Um, th so that's the first principle, simplify, using structure, using the Love canvas, using purpose practice. The second principle, now coming back to that that uh, pin that we put in a few yeah. minutes ago. Story. Second principle, I call it transform or transform with story. And I, as I said a few minutes ago, you're transforming the audience using stories and you're um, uh, elevating or transforming your structure, that simplified structure that you've created yeah. using storytelling. So you're elevating it. Um, now, I also said that there were five elements and, and, uh, uh, you know, we have a tool that we use that I didn't create it. It's something that was created um, actually by, I believe his name was uh, Kevin Adams. He was a playwright and improviser. Oh, wow. um, and he created something called the story spine. And the story spine is a really interesting, very simple tool to help you draw out any story. And Pixar actually uses the story spine um, as a tool to, as I, I like to put it, to, to kick the tires, as to see if it, the, the, the movie is roadworthy or the story of the movie is roadworthy. Um, so make sure it's sound. And what the, the purpose, sorry, what the story spine allows you to do is pull out those five key ingredients. And I'll just share those. Um, environment. So where is this story? What is, what's happening? What's the What's the environment of, of uh, this story? Where, where's it taking place? Second is characters. So who's in the story? Am I a character in it? Am I telling the story about something that happened to me? Who else is in it? Was Casey there? Was right. Casey uh, family there? What, what, what happened? Um, the third is, and this is really important, is conflict. So something happens that creates conflict in that environment for those characters. And even more important, the fourth element is raised conflict. It's not just enough to have a little bit of a, for them to hit a brick wall. They have to hit a brick wall 
And then the car has to burst into flames. Right. Now what right. are we going to do? And then the what wall falls gonna... on the car. Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, I, I often share this one. Like, I, and not everyone, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, Game of Thrones, that TV show, I don't know if you ever watched it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was classic conflict, raised conflict. It was like, holy mo, it can't get worse. Oh, oh it it's just did. Worse. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so, and then the fifth element is uh, outcome or resolution. So, and that's good or bad, right? It's, 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 you know, the happy ending or the sad ending. Like it's, it doesn't matter, but there's some sort of resolution, some sort of learning as well that came from that. So those five elements, environment, characters, conflict, raised conflict, and outcome, those are the ingredients of a successful story. And I like to keep it simple. Like storytelling, although there's so many different models we can look at. And I do explore those in my book and in my program. Um, I like to use the story spine in these five elements because it, it, it's accessible, you yeah. know? And I think, I think we want to save people from, from telling bad stories. If we ever fell flat, if you go back and you, if you listen to a recording of yourself telling that story, you probably left one of these things out. Um mm-hmm. And maybe you left out conflict. Hey, I, my friends and I, we were in the park. And then we left the park. <laughs> okay, Casey. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know what, Casey, you bring up actually, a, or you remind me of a, of an interesting point, which is, um, you know, there's a difference between, and this is something that I've, I've learned by kind of encouraging subject matter experts to embrace storytelling. So just think for a moment, like, I, or if you can put in perspective that I'm helping dermatologists and ophthalmologists. I'm also working with AI and roboticists and experts who are not comfortable telling stories, Mm -hmm. especially if they're personal stories, because that's just not the way it's done in their industry uh, or in their, in how they were trained or whatever. There's lots of reasons, but so they will often slowly start to, to try and tell stories. And what um, what I'll hear is an anecdote. And an anecdote is really just a story without any emotion. It doesn't pull out. So I went to the store. They were, um, I wanted some ice cream. I bought some ice cream. I left. Well, that's a fascinating anecdote, right? <laughs> now, um, if, you, if you use the, sorry, if you use the five, but no emotion, is, is it is the emotion the critical or do you need the five as well because like i went to the, the store five, the store the exploded, gonna, you know? yeah the five are going to elicit pull out the emotion oh gotcha that conflict first of all casey and nick were out in omaha nebraska on yeah. the road uh i think i've been watching breaking bad or what it not uh, uh wait 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 are you jesse or is that me who are you <laughs> my my walter I'll be Jesse. Sure. I'll, I'll be that. <laughs> I think he's funny. <laughs> Anyways, um, so there, I don't even know why Omaha, Nebraska, but we're out in Omaha, Nebraska right. and we're driving along and all of a sudden um, there's a massive cow in the middle of the road and we swerve. Um, we needed to, by the way, we were on our way to get medicine for your mother. Okay, so not a meth lab then. It was it was it was a good. We're not bad guys. We're not bad guys. 
Um, Are we and, breaking and we, bad though? <laughs> we might, we might break bad into this cow. That's the big right. question. But what happens? Right. Um, so, so, and I'm not going to go into a whole story here, but my point is we can create emotion by creating that environment and the characters understanding and giving more details yeah. than just yeah. the one little bit. Like, uh, I was at the baseball game. It was great. No, no, no. I was at the World Series uh, game seven and uh, I almost didn't make it because I thought it was on another day. Like, I know that would never happen, but I thought it was on another day. Right. So I realized that an hour before the game and I raced out of the house. Okay. Right. Interesting. I've got character. I've got, I've got environment. I've, and what's now what's going to happen? Is he going to get to the game? Is his friend waiting for him? There's lots of things right, that can happen. Right. And, and I'm just using these made up stories. But when we talk about the stories around brands, we can start to pull out some really interesting contacts. And I've worked with pharma companies to help them develop the, uh, the their patient stories so that they're more compelling to create a real elicit an emotion an emotional response. And I think one thing that I should touch on. Sorry, I'm if I'm speaking too much, Casey. I know. It's oh no, please! I, but you okay. will need to All finish right. the cow story because I'm pretty sure everyone think is thinking about it right now. <laughs> um, I, I, I so it's an interesting thing that you said, and it kind of links to what I was. I was going to touch on, which is the neuroscience of storytelling. Okay. And there's a reason why it's such an important uh, second principle, transform, is that when we tell stories, when we also use emotional language, it has an impact on the human brain. And there's actual um, uh, data that suggests that when subjects in a lab, when they, when they heard um, language, like he had... Uh, rough leathery hands or she have a, had a velvet singing voice it um, activated the sensory cortex but when equivalent language was used like he had nice hands or sorry he had rough hands and she had a nice singing voice it did not activate the sensory cortex so we're and the sensory cortex is the area of the brain that perceives texture through touch so just think about that. My words can activate the area of the brain that is think is is perceiving texture, that's perceiving touch, and um, there's all kinds of things that happen when we tell stories, right? We uh, the story has a happy ending, and, uh, and uh, we our brains release dopamine, which makes us feel more optimistic. Um, uh, when there's a tense moment, serotonin is re released, which help, helps us focus. These are things like when you think about stories, they're secret tools that you can use to engage your audience in a way that uh, they haven't been engaged with. So especially in this virtual format. Love that. And I know in, in our EO world, we, we survive by stories. And for those listening, the entrepreneur organization, we, it's actually part of the sort of ethos of the, of the organization is not to give advice, but to share stories. And, and I feel like there's always something about that, right? It, it cuts out politics. It cuts out ego. It's just, this is what happened. And don't we remember stories way more than anything, right? You give me a list of 50 things and I don't remember them. But if you tell me that story about the cow, I still have no idea what happens 
to you no no either. we could make it up man casey it's up to you finish the story well i <laughs> no i think we just leave people hanging you know the entire well at the end of the show we'll, we'll resolve the cow story for people um you know what, though, uh, you made a, a really uh, interesting point, which is that, and, and, and there is a st- statistic, which um, that uh, I believe people remember, um, I think it's something like 60 to 70% of information when it is shared as a story, in comparison to just sharing simple facts makes a lot of sense so yeah. so it's it's really important it's really important and yeah. so that's the second principle and Love i think that. the third principle that i wanted to to share with you is uh, all about performance and uh it's really about embracing a mindset of performance i think going back to our initial my initial rant on winging it performance is something that people you know uh, they, they might if they invest in the time on shaping their message and they think about story then they won't think about rehearsing it or they often, so I shouldn't say they won't, they often don't get to it. It's like the last thing. And yet there are tools that we can use and techniques, uh, body language, facial expression, vocal expression, um, how you hold yourself. You know, uh, I knew that I was going to be on this podcast with you today. I elevate, I have an elevated desk or I can raise it. I decided I would stand. I know I'm more animated when I'm standing. So, you know, you can see I'm able to use gesture and facial expression. And I'm looking at you with the camera. And there's all kinds of things that we can do to kind of determine how we want to show up. So this mindset of performance is kind of a third principle that that you need to embrace. Um, You know, I paused for a moment, like just as I mentioned performance. You sh- and you're doing it right now. You're nodding your head. You right. Say, yeah, right. And and there's things that are happening here that you're worth that. We're like a few thousand, maybe a couple of thousand miles away from each other. We're chatting via Zoom. And uh, and yet we can still have this connection. And, and, and that's really important. That's what performance allows you to do. You know, when you when you simplify using structure. You, you're able to open the door, create access to information that was previously inaccessible to others. When you, when you transform with story and use language like rhetorical devices, emotional language, you help create a deeper understanding of your message, of your concepts, of, of your thoughts, of your ideas. And then of course, when you perform, when you embrace a mindset of performance, and you think about it, you, you think about all these tools at your disposal and you use them, you can make a connection. And that, all three of those things, simplify, transform, perform, creating access, creating a deeper level of understanding and, and a connection, all of that together is why, is how you communicate with impact. Mm, so good. I'm getting so much of being intentional even on the performance, do you have mm. any practical, I don't want to say tips, but any, any gotchas that tend to grab a lot of people that don't get intentional, don't have the mindset of performance? Um, you know, uh, I, I, my big question is, uh, so there's a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, uh, obviously this is kind of something I spend a lot of my time talking about, so I could ramble on about right. this. So now instantly in four seconds you have to simplify 
<laughs> yeah. Story. Uh, there's a couple. The first question I would have is, um, how do you want to show up? Yeah. Um, and, and that question is open-ended for a good reason, because I want people to think about, well, I want to show up as a leader. Okay, well, what does that look like? Does a leader sit? Does a leader stand? And by the way, there's no right answer. It's your answer, right? Mm. So how do I want to show up? Um, do I want to show up going, hey, Casey, sorry, my camera's not working. Sorry, my volume's not working from a virtual perspective. Sorry about that. Oh, let me see if I can find my PowerPoint. Or, uh, and this happens, uh, you know, how much, uh, as my friend Av puts it, micro frustrations are created during uh, uh, virtual uh virtual presentations but um these micro frustrations uh create a lot of frustrations right because they build and build and waste a lot of time so how do you want to show up do you want people to think this person's ready they're prepared of course you want them to think all of those things but we don't think about how i want to be seen even simple things lighting sound um and by the way this doesn't just apply to virtual if you're going to deliver a presentation somewhere Plan it out, take a look, circuit, do a circuit of the space before um, think of what's the backup if things aren't working, all of those kinds of things. How do I want to show up? That That's kind of preparation. The other part of it is, uh, and I'll start with something that I, I, I talk about in my book, which is status. And it's an odd word to use because it's loaded, right? Like uh, people think of status in different ways. People think of it as monetary, you know, economic status. They mm. think of it best um, status within an organization when i want when i use the word status i'm i'm um getting people to think about how they're holding themselves um and there's a if we look at status as a scale uh, uh one to zero uh, sorry one to ten that's an odd scale one to ten <laughs> one being low status low status shows and i'm kind of visualizing it here sl slumped shoulders slouching no closer to the ground um and we see it the body language shows and we you know that you know we may not even recognize that we have these physical attributes at the time higher status uh and i'm not saying you need to be a 10 but it's chin up eye contact um usually arms are wide and open um your your legs are uh, kind of shoulder width apart you've got a very confident stance right so there's mm. and you're not mo moving around a lot right you're not jumping around on your legs and you're not you're not shuffling you're not dancing moving. around the the whole stage because <laughs> uh, as soon as i start to do that it starts to lower my status right it starts to change my, your impression of me why is he doing that why is he doing that <laughs> It's hard to follow, <laughs> but but these are nervous habits, right? People, yeah. you know, people have um, uh, the shake, the net, the leg shake, right? Let's just, you know, even for those that are listening, I'm shaking my right knee up and down, mm. which is kind of a typical nervous habit that we see people on panels or in interviews. There is, mm. and look what's happening. To, I'm literally shaking my body, like yeah. all I'm doing yeah. is moving my knee. So it has an impression. So I, I ask people, how do they want to show up? first and foremost, but then what status do you want to show? That's why I use the scale. You may not want to be a 10. In fact, you likely don't want to be a 10, but you probably don't want to be a five or a six. Yeah, maybe a sexy you, you eight. <laughs> a sexy eight? <laughs> uh, but but that is the question, right? Like Because yeah. we don't know 
Casey, we don't know what status we're showing up as until we look in the mirror or look Mm -hmm. in the camera. And we actually won't even think about it until we ask ourselves, is this the status I want to show up as? Is there something primal about people acting a lower status to try to defend themselves? Or I've heard people say, oh, I'm I'm nervous at the beginning of the presentation. And I've always heard this not necessarily a good thing to do, but like they're trying to convey a lower status. I don't know, to get sympathy or something. I just, I've, I've seen this happen where people, they'd like to maybe be less than themselves just to protect themselves. So, so there, I tell this, I share this story in, in my book and, you know, it stayed with me and it's really almost one of the first experiences I had out of school. And I, uh, that I think will answer your question. Um, so I was working at an engineering firm as an education consultant, running workshops and programs. So actually, I haven't come that far from what I was doing uh, 25 years ago, uh, but the content has certainly changed. Anyways, we were running these environmental education programs uh, in rural areas in Ontario, not far outside of the city where I live in Toronto. And I was with a really wonderful senior technician. He, he was older than I was, but not that much older, but I kind of looked up to him. He was had a great sense of humor, really fun co-facilitator. He really liked my design of my workshops. We had a lot of fun working together. Um, and I remember so clearly what happened is, this is actually, I don't even know if we had cell phones. He may have got a call. I know I didn't have a cell phone back then. <laughs> That's how long ago this was. And he said, um, he got some news and we were delivering this workshop to custodial staff at uh, a board, uh, the Simcoe County Board of Education. And the Simcoe County Board of Education, we found out on the way up there, had laid off 50% of their custodial staff the day before. Jeez. And we were going in to say, hey, everybody, this is a new environmental education program. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to do X. We need you to do Y. And here's why. And we were going to make it interactive and fun. And it was fun. And we had other workshops with teachers and students and principals as well. But this was the custodial staff. So I was really nervous. I said, what are we doing? Are we going to cancel? Are we canceling? He said, no, 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 we're not going to cancel. We had a whole presentation planned. It was kind of entertaining and engaging. And he sat, he, he, we came into, the, I remember coming into the boardroom, the big, um, uh, it was a big meeting space, very large auditorium space. All of the custodians, there's maybe 45 of them from the board. They were all having coffee and huddled together in small groups. And we came in, you could see they were looking forward to this meeting. There's body language. There was status that we were reading from them, like body language that wasn't good. And um, he literally said, follow my lead. And back then we were at a consultant engineering firm. So we were wearing jackets and ties. He said, take off your tie, took off my tie, take off your jacket, took off my jacket, roll up your sleeves. And then he took the chair uh, and turned it around, you know, and sat on it in a more, much more casual way. And he started delivering his presentation sitting. He was down at their level. And I'm, I just want to be clear for a moment. Just because I'm talking about custodial staff doesn't mean that they're lower status. Their status was lower because they'd experienced crap the day before. Right. A bad experience. Right. So he was meeting them in as close to as possible. And what he did is he changed the subject, uh, sorry, the approach of the subject. He said, here's the content we need to share. I'd like to share it with you. But I can walk you through it more quickly. 
And what I'd also, what my offer to you is, um, if I can walk you through that, I will also take any feedback in, that you have and questions that you have for your superintendent of plant and, super, and services, and I will share that to them in a written report. Does that sound like a reasonable deal? And they said, absolutely. And we had, we shared our content in a different way. Mm-hmm. We collected their feedback in a very positive way. And it went back to the superintendent. So they said, they, we could share what we needed to share. They shared that what was on their mind. Wow. And we delivered it. But it was, it started with level setting our expectations and our status. Man. And you could have come in and tried to preach at them with this you know, high status approach and man, the, the rejection just would have been off the charts. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, we need to find a way to put ourselves in check in a way. And I don't mean like, you know, put yourself in check all the time, but just where am I at? Right. Makes total sense, man. And my next question really is like, who are you? How the heck do you know these things? Can you take me back in time? Like little Nick days. Did you know you're going to be, uh, you know, the amazing czar of communications and coaching and, and a serial entrepreneur and all these insanely cool things? I mean, what was little Nick like? Little Nick? That's a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was playful. Uh, I, I, you know, honestly. So going, uh, b- being candid, I was uh, playful really sensitive, um, had a, a performance uh, desire at an early age. Um, my mother, uh, early days, she, she, she's a psychotherapist now, but she was an actress in Toronto. And my father was a psychiatrist, but he, uh, she was on, on stage here in Toronto. And um, she asked me, because I was kind of asking her about all of the plays, would you like to try it? I said, sure. Yeah. I, I think that'd be kind of fun to, to do, to do that. And, um, and so she said, okay, well, in order to do that, you kind of have to have a photo photo of yourself and uh, get an agent. And so I think I was seven uh, or eight and I went in and met with an agent and they said, sure, we'll, t- we'll take you on. And then uh, they sent me on a, on an audition and I got it. It was a commercial and I started doing commercials. Literally, like I did about a dozen in about two years. I paid for, you know, my first car, my down payment for my house, like a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, and, and probably the ability to be an entrepreneur actually as I as right. through. Um, so I was a performer. I was an actor until um, I hit kind of 12 or 13. And I kind of, I did a TV show. Uh, and I lost interest. Uh, I lost the passion for it. I, I worked all summer when all of my friends were being kids and going to camp. Yeah. Uh, I was working in a studio all summer. And while it was a good experience, it was like, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Because it sounds but, like it could be cool, but it's not nearly as fun as kicking around. Like, it sounds like anyone hearing it would be like, wow, wow you had a great opportunity, but it was work, right? It was like, it, it wasn't, Oh, performing around the studio. This was like a job for everyone else. So it wasn't a playground. Yeah. 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 It is a job. So, so, you know, that's a big part of who I am though. This, there's a performer 
in yeah. me that's always been and and interestingly casey i can say this confidently now i guess maybe as i am at a stage where i'm pretty comfortable in my own skin right. but i kind of right. hid that or wouldn't identify that it took some friends of mine a number of years ago saying you know you're you're a real performer you should step forward more you know like that is something and 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 uh, it for whatever reason it took me quite a while to do so um but you know look high school uh i was in you know theater like you know doing plays i was the host of the our talent show two years in a <laughs> row i was on the students cancel i like to step forward i'm comfortable stepping forward um and then university was all film uh, i did a film and theater degree before i did an education degree so wow a creative performance it's a really big part of who i am and you grew up in a house with with the psychology on one side and the performance on the other i can absolutely see how you could marry those two and have interest in many things related to that because you you grew up around someone who was analyzing why are we doing this and oh my goodness yeah and, you know um, and how could i do be better at that and show up and in the mindset and the other person was like let's perform and it's that's well, a cool it, combination it was she eventually became as i said a psychotherapist herself sure. so my dad was a psychoanalyst my mother was a psychotherapist and when i share this which i do in workshops people giggle right when i because they like and, and i say well that's sympathetic laughter like because everyone knows like how, you know if you've ever gone to therapy if you ever spoken to a psych a psychiatrist or psychotherapist it's work to go through that and the questions i was asked almost on a daily basis were things like, uh, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about how I'm feeling. I'm 12. <laughs> I'm, Good. Feeling, I'm feeling insecure. I'm 13. <laughs> what are you happy about? Everything. <laughs> it's my favorite response from my kids. What are you thankful for? Everything. Like, All right. You got away with that one. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. It's fine. Good. Right, How's fine. your day? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And you go to school for theater and, and some parents might, might not want you to do that. But if your parents were in the theater, then they're going to support that. You know, my parents didn't, um, my dad was a doctor, right? And, yeah. uh, and I thought, you know, he died about seven years ago and I was very, very close with him. And I haven't really thought about it until now, but he never had any judgment around what I was pursuing as long as I was interested in it. And I could be self-sufficient. And it's not even that. He wasn't like, you, should, you better be self-sufficient. I just, I, I was always driven to be self-sufficient. Um, and, you know, he just saw, and I think he knows, and I think we all know this, uh, what you love will bring you what you need. Like, if you love what you do, it'll give you what you need. And I, I know that sounds kind of like, uh, like, perhaps flaky i don't know i believe yeah. people see right through you if you don't love what you do um love and I so love what you love it will bring you what you need that is so powerful I, yeah. I, and and so he loved psychiatry and and helping patients right to almost the day he died he was treating people um and ironically or coincidentally i love helping people like if somebody out there listens to this podcast and wants my help and I can help them and I can see how I can help them. First of all, I'm not going to try and 
do brain surgery. That's not my area of expertise. <laughs> but if I can help them get clearer, that's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Yeah. So I love it. And, and I think um, in a way, you're right. Like there's a synthesis of anal- a- a- analytics or a- analysis, I guess. Um, thinking things through, problem solving, asking good questions to pull out the right information. And there's a sense of being on and performance. Yeah. Not when I'm coaching per se. I mean, I'm always thinking, but being able to connect with people, that's kind of that performance side of things. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on the connection. There's something about it. Even for me, podcasting has, you know, a list of 30 different things that benefits, you know, great for sales calls and all that. But just for me, it comes down to connection, you know, having a conversation, but it's more than a conversation, even if it's virtual, I guess. You know, um, I've said before that I think conversation is the ultimate form of engagement. And uh, I think that people forget that. Like people talk about how do we engage with our staff? How do we engage with my customers? Uh, and you know this because you've you've built right. a business around it. Right. But have a conversation. Yeah, like, the answer is not, not like, oh, that app over there that will help you engage with a mystical, no. magical power. It's like, just talk to them, man. Teach people to have better conversations. Learn how to have better conversations. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask questions that may make you sound like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know anything about podcasting, really. I mean, I know a little bit. I've interviewed people, but I'm not an expert like you. I got tons of questions for you that people would go, well, of course you do that. Yeah, you got to ask, right? Yeah. I love that caveman approach, right? I I think I've heard you know Rogan say this. When you just call out ahead of time, look, I'm an idiot. So whatever I ask you, assume. Yeah. But, but it ends up being like, you're actually not an idiot. In But, but by saying that, you're just saying, look, I am letting everyone know that I know I'm not the smartest person in the room and I'm excited to learn. And it just kind of sets that mind in a great spot. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. 100%. You know, to the, yeah. your point about connection, I think there's something about perform, you know, the performative side of a podcast helps with the connection. I think there's something about the accountability of other people watching or listening um, because I see, I see us being bad at, conversation in, a, in the in the free world right you were at dinner with their kids and they've got an ipad in front of them and and husband and wife are on their phones and it's like we're not actually conversating here we're not it's not actually happening but there's something about if we're looking at each other it's like we're on a stage and neither of us can check our email because if we do and someone asks a question and we don't know the answer that's that's a worse that's like public embarrassment more than you know, not checking the email. So there's, there's yeah. like a natural kick to, to the conversation. Cause I, I am like literally in this conversation and there's like no distraction. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's talk about that, that for a second. Yeah. Let's unpack this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, although we could talk about your kids and iPads uh, and I could roll my eyes, you know, uh, <laughs> not your, I'm not rolling my eyes at your oh, kids. And, we're I'm not on the iPads for sure. No, all joking aside. Like yeah. I, I think, um, I think that, this conversation we're having, I guess I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I've chatted with you a Me few too. times now. And um, I, I think it's okay to kind of roll back uh, the curtain and say, well, our second conversation was you walking me through what you'd like to talk about. 
Right. So there's no winging it here. The, although there's some improvisational and you're like, oh, right. I have some other things I want to ask and that are fine. I know where you're going and I know right. your values. I know what you stand for. You know my values and what I stand for. So we're coming together as colleagues, as friends, as equals to have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to you know, position me as an expert, and I, which is, is very <laughs> nice of you to what did you call me? The czar of something? Czar of communication. (laughs) Communication. Uh, It's hilarious. But the point is like, I'm happy to share my insights and my learning, um, but we're equals, right? Mm -hmm. You've Mm -hmm. got expertise. I've got expertise. And so the conversation is give and take. You're adding, I'm adding, oh, that's interesting. And that's in my, and the only thing that's missing to make it even better is if I were just to disagree with you at one point, a little bit of conflict makes things a little mm. more light, right? more God, interesting. Conflict. That's what we're missing here at this beautiful conversation. Oh, maybe just by saying it, Casey, I've said it. Like, can we have a little conflict, please? Like, I agree with you. You agree with me. What about, well, come on, Nick, that's bull. <laughs> and how do I, how do I add that in there? You know, it, it's a, it's a great point uh, for a story having the conflict. Um, yeah. And, but in terms of the communication, uh, we're, oh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but oh, I actually do. I remember um, sometimes the best, oh, what, what's that? Oh, death by this, meeting. This book, death oh, by meeting. Oh, Lencioni, yeah. So it's, it's a great book. It's a little fable um, on leadership. But the reason I share it is they so aptly position, they so aptly position conflict as a vital element of a meeting. And so, um, you know, all joking aside around conflict, Um, A great panel or even a great podcast would be, you know, it's not that we have to disagree violently. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, here's a counter perspective. Story doesn't matter. Uh, What do you think of that? Well, you know, and and it might be a little more challenging, like to challenge a person respectfully. uh, But I'm not saying to you blindside people. That's not the, that's not my intention here. No, it's a great point. And I think it definitely deserves some more thought to it, but Two, two points. One, back to you. Uh, we did prep for this, right? And, and I think yes. part of uh, the prep is that I tell you, I mean, not all the questions, but there are milestone questions. And I tell yeah. you, here's what they are, right? And then I actually do that later. And I think there's a core thing I've learned in relationships about trust is if you say you're going to do something and then you actually do it, man, that's a great foundation for trust. And not doing that is a great foundation for losing trust from someone. So I feel like there's a there's a thing that happens when I say I'm going to ask you these questions and then I ask them and you feel prepared and like, right, yes, I've thought this through. I'm not surprised. I'm not, you know, yeah. uh, panicked. You're like, he said he's going to do that and he's actually doing that. Cool, right? But then there's also a moment that happens later on, I feel like even right about now, how we're getting to something where, uh, to to your point, we're we're having these we're exploring something, but we're exploring a concept that maybe neither of us knows the answer. It's almost like we've gotten to being peers. You know, you've you've shared your insights, and now I'm just like, well, what about this? And you're like, I don't know. And like, here's my experience. I feel like that that's also a kind of magic that can happen where neither of us know. Yeah, yeah. and 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 that right there, I'm gonna go like I know maybe a, maybe too deep here, and that's part of the problem with larger organizations. Some of them. Some mm. of them. Uh, I don't want to paint a, paint every or large organization with the same brush. The magic of change and innovation happens when people get a chance to just talk things through without 
rigidity and and forced outcome. Like in a perfect world, there will be an outcome. But some of the best things that come out of sharing and insights and, and conversation are like, oh, that's a neat idea. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. We should try that. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe Casey, you'll, you'll say uh, uh, in future questions, you're going to want to ask a question that challenges the person Yeah. Uh, as a counter argument. And you let them know, by the way, I'm going to ask, ask you something that's going to challenge you. And I hope you're okay with that. If not, we can get rid of it, but you get that opportunity. I'm saying, by the way, I'm just using that as a silly example of no, that's cool. Chatted about it. And now maybe that's something you can apply. And for me, there's lots of things that I'm learning from you as we're having a conversation about podcasting. I'm going to apply to my living impact webinar. So that's the yeah. beauty of conversation. Loose conversation can create real tangible results. 100%. And I, I wrote that. That's like another one of those soundbite and powerful quotes. The idea of the magic of change happens when we talk without a forced outcome. Uh, that's why we have those shower experiences right shower slash run slash doing something and then our brain is like what about this because all we're supposed to do is make sure we don't smell at the end of the shower like it's very low bar to hit so (laughs) our brain's like i i got this i don't even need to think about this meanwhile let me go think about that project you're working on and and let you know an idea i have you know so the only only challenge is did i shave oh yeah no i did like yeah yeah yeah. You're so deep in thought. You're like, did I shave? Oh yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why we have like, like waterproof notepads sometimes in the shower or oh, I always I one of those markers that can write on the wall, but I feel like it would probably permanently, <laughs> you know, you'd have these wax pen marks on your, your shower and people would be like, you're a crazy person now. Well, you know, actually this is perfect. Perfect segue. Couldn't have planned it better myself. Um, I have a hypothetical question for you next. This is this all important oh. hypothetical question. And because I may or may not have a time machine in my backyard covered in a tarp. And let's say you come visit New Hampshire and you get a chance to, you know, we get some lobster, some beer and we use the time machine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we go back in time, but it's a particular time machine and you go back and you visit yourself um, a few days after that undergrad that you just got that theater degree, theater and film degree, you know, over at Queens and you've graduated a few days ago, you get to meet yourself. And you can tell yourself anything you want. You won't create flashpoint. You, you won't make, mess up the time space continuum. What do you tell yourself? What kind of advice do you give yourself? I'd say, don't meet Casey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. That, I love this meeting. I, I just but now, now, be- if you, now, let's say you did do that. And I no. know I promise I wouldn't mess up the space time continuum, but maybe I was lying. So if you said that, would that mean you're stuck? in the past and you would have a hard time going back to the future. No. So you're with me. I just messed up everything. No, to be honest. um, You know, I mentioned earlier, like I was, I've, I've, um, I have so many things I would want my younger self to know. I think the most important thing, I guess I have two things that come to mind. I don't know how many messages I can share if I've only got seven seconds that I probably just say a conversation. It's not like the annoying voicemail I had yesterday where it cut off after three seconds, middle of my message. Yeah, no, you got some time. So I guess a few things that come to mind is, you know, the first is um, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be just great. 
because I've had sadness and tragedy in my life, just like everybody else. But I've also, to quote, you know, Jimmy Stewart movie, I've had a wonderful life and I'm, I've still got lots more to go. So it's going to be okay. I think the other thing I would say is this is going to sound kind of odd, but I, I've, um, you're enough. You are enough to be who you are. I wish I'd known I was enough earlier. Um, but that only comes with wisdom in a way. Like, you know, it, it comes with uh, the experience of, uh, of work and time. That's wisdom. And uh, so, I, but I would say you're enough. Like you have everything you need. And you, you yourself are enough. Um, the only other thing I would say is I feel like I, <laughs> this is a big ad for entrepreneurs organization. Hey. <laughs> uh, join EO as soon as you can. I wish I joined it 15 years ago. I've only been a member for three plus years now. And it's been transformational for me. I think I would still have, uh, or I might still have a couple of businesses that I kind of went, I'm done with that. And I'll start mm -hmm. over here. Every step I took has taken me to where I need to be. So I'm happy. Right. Uh, but I would say to myself, get, don't be ashamed to ask for help. Like, um, you don't need to know and figure it out, know it all and figure it out on your own. There are people out there that are, that can and will help you. And that just as much as you enjoy helping people, they enjoy helping people and yeah. you give them an opportunity to feel that same joy by helping you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, that, yeah, I think that's what it is. It'd be nothing to do with like put, put X amount of money on the blue Jays in 92. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be that it would be, you know, you're enough. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be anything more than who you are. I wish, uh, and I wish that for other people too, like be comfortable in your skin mm -hmm. younger. It helps you, it helps you succeed, you know? Yeah. Sooner. Right. And, and I guess the, the funny twist to that question is, you know, would you listen to you? Probably not. <laughs> like smacking yourself around. Listen, man. <laughs> like, what are you talking about old man <laughs> uh, yeah yeah no I I, I would I have I, I would I'm actually a, I think I'm a pretty coachable individual yeah um I think that uh like any of us I have uh, a um I have learned over the years and I've more recently learned to shut it down negative self-talk Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't serve it just doesn't serve gratitude serves yeah you know i've found that gratitude can really break you out of almost any kind of mode you know feeling really really bumming and then you just think well yeah but i'm really thankful for this and you're like yeah yeah you're right <laughs> yeah there's an interesting book you know that i read not long ago called the tools and one of one of the things that there's five tools. I won't go into all of them, uh, but it's called grateful flow. And um, when you're feeling, you know, in this kind of negative state, you can 
start by listing off the things that you're grateful for. And um, you, you know, don't use the same items each time uh, and do it for about 30 seconds. Your mindset will change. I start my day and I start my day with a, 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 a journal. I learned from other EOers and other leaders that, you know, people use gratitude and journals to help them start their day. I did it years and years ago and then I stopped, but I, it's been now a behavior that I built into my day uh, every morning before I pick up anything else. I write uh, for about 20 minutes in the journal and I start with three things I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know, one tomorrow morning, I might say, number one, had an amazing conversation with Casey and was thrilled to be, you know, a guest on his podcast. Like what an right. amazing experience that was. Number two, my dog visited me when I woke up this morning. What an amazing thing, right? That's These amazing. are little things. It doesn't yeah. have to be a big, big thing. And it just starts my day off in the right way. And then I write what's it, whatever's on my mind. Flow, stream of consciousness. Sometimes it's absolute gobbledygook, but it gets the junk out. Yeah. You know, I had a chance to look back at some of that journaling that I've done in the past, especially when it was during tougher times, you know, when things aren't going right. And I just, I was filled with so much compassion um, Mm. and empathy for that other person. It was me writing it, but, you know, didn't have the, the knowledge of what would happen next four months or that it would be okay. And it's just sort of writing these things and is worried about this thing and worry about that thing. And, and now looking back, hey, it was it's okay. It, eventually, it all worked its way out. To your point, um, but I don't. I just there's something special about you know listening to myself back then and and just knowing that I just didn't know what I know now. You know, even a few months ago, yet let alone years ago, just didn't quite have that knowledge yet. But he'll get there. You know. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah, I, I think. Um... We get stuck and especially entrepreneurs, like it's the weight of the world, you know, is it's there. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. we're like used to rejection. We're used to, sadly, we also get used to accolades like, oh my gosh, you, how amazing is that? And we start to identify our, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. So, but we start to identify ourselves as the business. And so therefore, Revenue and profits are up. I'm up. Revenue and profits are down. I'm down. It's a dangerous game. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Dang- it's hard to separate yourself from that. Yeah. Um, it's it's either your baby or it's you. And and you're right. Performance up or down or things happen. And then it's it's you, yeah. you, you, you. Yeah. So tough, tough to break your snap yourself out of that. Um, but I bet you can start with a little bit of gratitude. You know, you get to do this, this journey, you get to do this adventure highs and lows, you know, you get to ride the roller coaster. You could yeah. be just sitting in the duck boat, you know, but instead yeah. or the paddle boat, but now you're on a raging roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's grateful. I don't know if I want to be on a roller coaster. I don't know either. I get a little old for roller coasters, to be honest. I'll still <laughs> go skydiving to... though. <laughs> Do you skydive? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've never done that. It terrifies me. I, like, and, and yet it's one of those things I would go, Hmm. Should I do that just to get over that thing? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually found it to be pretty safe, calculated risk compared to a lot of other things you do. I have a whole thing on it, but like you have backup (laughs) parachutes, right? You have two parachutes. You have an instructor with you who's trained and all the stuff. 
How many times have you jumped? Uh, the number gets a little blurry because I've got a little old. It's about 31 or 32 times. Holy moly. Yeah. That's amazing. It's all relative, though. There are people with hundreds. <laughs> they're, they're like plus or minus a couple hundred. They're not sure how many uh, up there. Um, uh, and was it, is it an addiction? Like, not, I don't mean that in a negative way. Is it like you did it and you're like, I have to do that again. Like, is that why you've done it three, 30 times or? Um, I, I, in a way, in a way, I, it's also like a challenge. I really like challenges and it, it still makes me scared, especially if I haven't done it in a while. It's been like yeah. first time in a couple of years and yeah. you're just like, man, this is, this is really kind of scary. And then after you're done though, the exhilaration, I remember I hadn't jumped in a while, you know, I was all nervous on the plane and we have this thing where we're all giving each other high fives or sort of fist bumps, you know, on the plane before we jump out. And I remember, you know, flying around. And then when I pulled the parachute open you know, on my own parachute, so it's just me in this area of sky by myself. And I was just swearing left and right in a, in a happy way when that happened, because I was just so exhilarated. And I forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is full of all these emotions and chemicals. And I was like, holy crap, this was exciting. So yes. it, it definitely has a, a kick to it. But it also just reminds you that, you know, you don't have to be afraid of things like that. Interesting. Yeah, you should definitely try it. Hey, come on down. Time machine, oh. lobster, beer, skydiving. <laughs> so <know>? much to offer. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely next time I'm down there, I'll be I'll be coming down to, to knock on you your door. Sure. You, you've yeah. also got indoor skydiving up there in Toronto as well. Yes, we do. Just, down here. Uh, Have you done that? No, not yet. No, it's on my like I could do that. Doesn't scare me. Cool. Well, you know, it feels the same. The the skydiving. Huh. Outdoor, huh. indoor, it all feels the same, which is crazy. So Anyways, man. Hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out, you know, get some coaching on communication? They want to get the book, all the things, throw out the links, the social platforms, all that. Sure. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, my company is Kindler and Company. And so you can go to kindlerandcompany.com. That's K-I-N-D-L-E-R-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com. Uh, and uh, if you want a, a copy of the book, it's on all the major okay. uh, online, but you can also go to impact, impactbook.ca um, and, and it gives you the links to your local online book seller um, and there's videos as well. Um, so, uh, and if you're looking for information, if you want to connect with me, as I said, I love to help people. Um, you can reach out to me at nick at kindlerandcompany.com. Love that. It, who's the best person to work with you and your company? Is there is there a sweet spot? Is it is it the CEO? Is it you know executive suite? Anyone? Is there a certain type of person? So um, often it's um, senior leaders who are challenged um, with some sort of big new opportunity. Um, and communication, I think we all know this, is kind of like the fundamental building block of leadership. And so if they're feeling that their expertise is there, but their communication is lacking, or if you've got a team member that you're thinking, how do I help them along? So we do, um, uh, we do programs for individuals around the world that they can join virtually um, uh, as a cohort. And that they're really fun, really engaging. And you leave with all these skills and, and embracing these principles that we talked about today. But if you're um, a senior leader and you're looking for some kind of one-on-one, -on -one, we do some executive thought leadership one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. 
Uh, and then finally, if you're looking for groups and, and we do keynotes and workshops and multi-day programs, all custom to your organization. And I'm happy to chat with anybody that's interested in helping their leaders, their innovators become better communicators. Love that. Okay. So your information will be in the show notes. People just click right on through, drop you an email, add you on LinkedIn, all the things. Absolutely. Yeah. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and, and finally, I would say, you know, if you are a, an emerging leader and you're interested in upping your game, we have our next, I don't sure, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but our next cohort of our impact accelerator launches in September. So it's a, oh, it's sure. about five weeks from now. Uh, we're in August right now. So um, if you're interested, send me a, a, an email, nick at kindlerandcompany.com. I can easily point you in the right direction and, and share more information. 100%. And if you don't know if you're an emerging leader or not, you are simply by asking that question. Uh, and that's how oh, you man. one day become one. And, uh, and people often say, am I, well, I'm not an, I'm not an innovation. And I, I would say, are you responsible for creating change within your products, your services, or your customers, or your company? Are you coming up with ideas that can help move your company forward? Uh, then you are in innovation. You just haven't used that to, to define yourself. Yeah. Amen. That is fantastic. Nick, dude, you are, this was so much more fun than I even imagined it would be. I knew we'd have a great combo, but the fact that I've learned about simplifying and boiling it down and transforming with story and, and, and what makes a good story and what makes it can fall flat and the performance mindset. Uh, I'm just, I'm so blessed that I've been able to sit down and just learn from you here today. So thank you for coming on here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Casey. Loved every minute. 100%. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here. I, I literally ran out of space on this piece of paper at, as per tradition. Um, I only have one piece, so I have to get it all. In. Yeah, no more space left. I know you learned something, so share this podcast with someone else. That's how you show thought leadership. Get this to one other person, another person you're working with, your boss, the people on your team. This is something we can all benefit from, especially in marketing, especially in sales. We need to communicate. This is the way to do it. Nick, you're the man. Thank you again for being on here. My pleasure. Thanks, Casey. Good chatting with you. All right, everyone. This has been another really, really cool, informative, exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.